The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Happy to be back together again on Afternoons with Mike. Thank you so much for joining us today. Heard on the Shepherd Radio Network all around the central to north central Florida areas. Joining me in the studio today, this is going to be a lot of fun. I've got friends that I've made. One I've known for, wow, a couple of years now. The second one, relatively new friend. But then we find out these two guys are friends from years back. In fact, they used to work together, and there was a, a good friendship between them. I'm talking about Pete Fulch, who, first of all, is on the Shepherd with his second win spots. Hey, Pete, it's great to see you again. Thank you, Mike. Great to see you. Thank you, listeners that are out there. And uh, again, it's always a blessing to come on. Yeah, it's it's great to have you on. You bring a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, uh, your uh, journeys into running is always amazing to me. And I got my brain blown today from talking with you. We'll, we'll chat about that coming up. Nathan Weaver owns Petra Worldwide, and they, ironically, and it's not all that ironically, I guess, when you think about it, but they became a sponsor of Pete's features called Second Wind, and Nathan has been up here before. Nathan owns this accounting firm that deals with accounting, tax, and real estate. Nathan, it's great to have you back. Thanks so much, Mike. It's great to be here. Happy to, to be here with you and happy to be here with my old friend, Pete. Now, you guys work together in the restaurant industry. Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, now, I've I got to turn to Nathan for a moment. Uh, we had talked in our chat the first time you were with us that you had taken uh, kind of like a break from your studies, which turned out to be what your major in accounting, and you went into the, the restaurant industry, and you worked for McDonald's, and you kind of worked your way all the way up to top management. I did. I did. It was a fantastic experience. I just cannot say how impressive their organization was at the time. And I, I learned, <laughs> I learned principles that I use today in my own, in my own company. Yeah. And so the, the management principles, the learning, the people management, the, the customer service, all of those are just such relevant skills in everything we do in everyday life. You know, we talk about um, management, the importance of management. Anyone who's ever been in management knows that it's a particular skill set. You have to have that if you're going to be a a successful, a a group like McDonald's or like the big restaurant groups, Pete, that you worked for, uh, you've got to be confident. You've got to go in there every day because you're dealing with people and the problems that people have. And sometimes those problems can really be brought in in a way that it affects their operation, their day-to-day responsibilities on the job. It's sometimes hard to keep that from happening. But you guys have worked through that, and with that, mm-hmm. probably for, what, th- three decades or so, right? Yeah, yeah. And I always, uh, in my career, you know, prior to Darden, I was with some other restaurant groups also, and I always remind from uh, myself as well as other managers that from a training standpoint, when you are developing managers or developing employees, developing, you know, whoever you're training, you're investing in your future. Mm -hmm. You're investing in the future of that employee, that team member, you're investing in the team, you're investing in the the future of the company. So, uh, yeah, uh, training and development, very, very important in terms of keeping people moving forward and growing. Now we talked about, it was about nine years ago or so, nine, 10 years ago Mm -hmm. that you guys last worked together. And I don't think you've really seen each other that much since then, right? have not no first time time. (laughs) nine years (laughs) but it's been a wonderful reunion that's right (laughs) that's right here we are uh things have changed in the last 10 years when you look back now what what were some of the things that uh, you can think of that are are distinctions today that you didn't have to deal with 10 years ago from my perspective i think you know the the evolution of the culture through the technology you know, the pressures that are faced in society today from from social media. 
you know, everyone is, you know, focused on the number of likes that they have and they're focused on, you know, their phones and, and their presence in social media and largely based on, I don't know, what I refer to as fake lives of other people, you know, and so it puts a lot of pressure on people to feel like they have to live up to a certain level of, of status because everyone else on social media has these wonderful photos and they're doing wonderful things with their lives. At least it's presented that way. Uh-huh. And so, you know, that just creates a challenge that creates a, a, a change in, 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 in the way people's paradigms are, are geared to entry-level jobs and just coming into society. And so when I, when I look back and I think about my early days in management, you know, one of the things that, you know, is always, a key attribute and doesn't change and it's necessary to be in management. You start with the genuine love and care and concern for people. And then from that, you layer on all of the technical skills that go with kind of managing day to day. But I would assume that people that are in in management leadership positions today, they have to really learn how to manage people in this culture Mm -hmm. where, you know, social media has just made it uh, a little bit more challenging to, to help people get stabilized in their way of thinking about their life and their role and whatever they're doing. You know, when you think about technology, I think it's often presented as, you know, time-saving improvements. And there's really a lot to be said about some of the things that have happened, even in the last 30 years. I mean, I'm not sure every day that I'm still happy with the fact that we have the Internet. I live on the Internet. Uh, We do a lot of our stuff here on the radio station via the internet, but boy, life seemed simpler when it wasn't around. And I'm not so sure we are the better because of its presence. Yeah, I I, I agree with Nathan in, as far as technology having changed how things happen in the food service industry uh, from a social media standpoint. You see also from an HR standpoint, the, the leveraging of, of social media to reach that audience in terms of recruiting but also the, the the customer the guest has changed also right. the guest is expecting a lot more convenience and so um, the menus have further evolved and online ordering and to go and of course covid really um, uh, you know accelerated that the the need to have a to go business or an online ordering and and having that available and i, I won't mention the, the 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 quick service company but i remember coming in and it was easier for them if I ordered it on my phone than oh, yeah. to go up to the counter because yeah. there was no one at the counter. And that's another element too from a from a, a people and a team standpoint is as, as companies try to find more ways to, to be lean and to be financially um, solid is you know, headcount. So if we can automate the process, and not have to have a cashier taking your order at the counter, but you do it on your phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that that I've seen that as an, an evolution in the last uh, you know ten years, definitely since. You know, I'll take your cue yeah. and uh, not mention the name of the of the company, but my wife and I, uh, this would be about a year and a half ago, so it was still in the COVID phase, mm-hmm. and we went in that we were so excited that a particular restaurant was open. And we went in that restaurant and wanted to put our order, a place where we had done that dozens of times before, only to be told that they couldn't take our order unless we ordered over the phone. I was wow. I was slightly so aggravated at that. I thought, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm, we're going to go someplace else. <laughs> and, and I'm sure other people feel that way. But that seems to be the way life is. That's where we are. That's, yeah. you know, what we've evolved to. And. You know, I have a similar story going into, uh, I won't mention the name of the restaurant, but it's a, a, a breakfast restaurant known for pastries. And I had my entire dining experience and never interacted with another person. I placed my order on the kiosk. I took my little buzzer. When it buzzed for me to pick up my order, I picked up my order. Never talked to another person the entire experience. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that's where we're going. Everything from self-checkout from at the gas stations that we've gotten used to now to restaurants and shopping. You know, know, I just heard about, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this or not. I'm betting you probably are. But there's a, a kind of like a convenience store in London where you can go into it and it has all of the 
their stocked items. If you were to go into any 7-Eleven, for example, imagine all the things that are on all the shelves. There are zero employees in this thing. And you're able to go in and pick anything you want off that shelf. And it somehow you, you have to either, when you go in, you pass your card when you go in. And it charges their sophisticated, uh, I don't know, stocking or whatever it is. It knows when you pick something off the shelf and it charges that thing to your bill. And you do your shopping and you walk out just exactly what you said, Nathan, never talking to a single person. Mm-hmm. And it, it, how how upsetting is that for my brain? I'm thinking, how, what if they overcharge? What if, what if you're... What if he gets mixed up and, Mm -hmm. you know, are we that together that there's not going to be any mistakes in the order? That's the kind of stuff I think about it and and slightly drives me crazy, (laughs) honestly. Yeah. And I, and at at our church, we were looking at some different things to kind of uh, make things a little more efficient. And I, I don't know if it was a consultant or a pastor that as we were meeting together as a team to, to, to roll this out is it, it, the emphasis was the, the more high tech the more high touch you need to be. Mm. The more high tech, the more high touch you need to be because mm-hmm. uh, whether folks are leaving your your church or leaving your business, they're leaving with a feeling. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if we're going to, you know, want to have that feeling of I was welcomed, I connected here, I felt um, cared for here, there still needs to be that human touch. Um, you guys have brought up in this discussion, I think, a, a wonderful reality that we have to deal with in this day and age. You made a statement, Nathan, when you were with me a couple of weeks back. We were talking about the kiosks that you were mentioning, Pete, and how I, I just I just don't like them. And you said that day's passed or something like that. <laughs> yes. You know, the day is passed. We're, we're, we're not going to go back to having a person standing behind the counter like what was done and taking our orders. It's, These uh, places, that that ship has sailed. Yeah. I think that's what you said. Yes, yes. I, I think I said the train has left the station. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there we go. We'll get our mode of transportation yeah. right and, here. And, and that train is just not coming back. And, it's not coming back. That's it's, right. It's very, very unfortunate because human relationships become increasingly devalued when we have this type of society and we learn how to treat each other worse as opposed to treating each other better mm-hmm. because now, you know, we just get desensitized to, you know, human collaboration, you know, the, the grace and mercy that you show another person just from a perspective of I'm human, you're human, and we're all trying to do what we do every day together. Uh, that just gets diminished. The more technology makes it convenient not to have a human involved in it. And, and with that, isn't it interesting that, on some of these social medias, you have these connection points on Facebook. They're called friends. You have mm-hmm. a Facebook friend. For all of the friends, you could have a thousand or more friends and be the loneliest person in the world because that does not guarantee connectedness, does mm-hmm. it? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got we've to have the real deal. And the real deal is, is going to be increasingly challenging for managers Regardless, whether you're an accounting firm, whether you are a consultant uh, to, I know you have a number of different industries, Pete. It's not just the the food service industry anymore, right? Correct. Yeah, I um, work with uh, healthcare companies mm-hmm. and real estate folks and um, folks that are in tech. So, yeah. Uh, so, so the emphasis, again, is and, and, and technology is wonderful. I mean, you, you, you think back... Um, Back at 19, was it 1954? They thought Ray Kroc was, they thought, are you out of your mind? A drive-through? People yeah. would come through and, you know, and so, that's yeah. That's when only three hamburgers were sold, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, technology can certainly help do some neat things. But again, we have to kind of, um, we can't lose sight, again, of the human touch. And we've got to figure out how we still can have that true, authentic connection and, and relationship with people uh, and not depend so much on you know uh, you know a, a Facebook or you know something like that to 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 say oh I've got relationships well you know um, just relying on mm-hmm. uh, and, and we need to make sure that we just we don't lose that that touch there because you know obviously we're all as 
as Christ followers, called to relationships out there. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as my friend John Stimberger told me one time, he said, yeah, you know, the human touch is so important. And he said, you can be isolated in some Eastern religions. You can be sitting on the uh, mountainside in Tibet and be in Nirvana, yeah, but you can't do that as a believer because Christians need each other. We need to have that interaction. We need to have the relationship. I, I would just love to toss this question out. Uh, do you guys see this problem uh, getting any better? Uh, or do you see it continuing to become a bigger issue in business? I, I think it becomes a larger issue. And I think the business community learns how to adapt to leverage and monetize, quite frankly, mm-hmm. the change and the evolution you know, COVID did uh, a good, uh, I'm using air quotes, good job in kind of pushing forward the whole separation of of human experience, right? People begin, you know, more work from home, worship from home, have your groceries delivered. And most people have gotten very comfortable having little human interaction. Too comfortable. Too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, the, the we I talk to pastors every day in, in my life in, in my company and the they're struggling to get people back into face to face worship. And some of their churches are still sitting half empty, all the way empty mm-hmm. because people have just become adapted to just worshiping from home. The 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 downside of that, as we've just been discussing, is it is so important that we learn how to engage and love and respect and union with one another. Because when you, when you desensitize human relationships, you have the type of events we just saw happen in Memphis, right? With, with this whole, you know, police brutality situation, because people become just so desensitized to, I am dealing with another human being. Mm. Uh, And that's, in my opinion, the, the downside of this, this fantastic technology that, that exists today. Yeah, I, I I agree. I in my the clients that I've worked with is they are, uh, you know, you know, COVID had us, you know, you know, all working from home or most of us mm-hmm. working from home, mm-hmm. and so now companies now that we're past pandemic, post pandemic, companies are wanting to work their way back to a hybrid or having their employees come back certain days of the week to come to 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 work at the office, and part of the reason is a cultural piece. It says it's hard to build a family and build a culture when everybody's apart. Right. Mm -hmm. And as they hire new folks and new folks come onto the organization, how are they able to bond and connect? I mean, there, there's some degree that can happen over the, you know, you know, over digitally. However, that's, that's part of the same thing for whether it's a church or an organization. If we want to keep our culture and build our culture and, and kind of keep the brand we have, we have to get together because our team Rep- is to represent that culture and that brand. And some of these things, these times, we're kind of in uncharted waters because we really don't know the long-range impact that all of this is going to bring. Like you said, Nathan, I mean, there, there are, I don't know a single pastor who would say, oh, yeah, we have every one of our people back from the pandemic. No. They're just not. And sadly, even with appeal, there, a lot of them are not yet coming back. So it's really going to be interesting to see the long-haul term uh, what's uh, what's going to the impact of what's going to be five years down the road from now, and we pray that it it will improve. That's what our hope is. My uh, guests today, Pete Foch, also Nathan Weaver, and I'll be back with him in a moment. This is afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs with over forty years experience. EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855 
481-9095. Here with me in Studio A today is Nathan Weaver. He is the leader, the, fee, the uh, CEO, founder of Petra Worldwide. Also, Pete Fulch. Pete has his own consulting company, and he leads what's called Second Wind, and that uh, is also a feature that we have. I know you reach out to people. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about in this segment, Pete, is uh, get an update from you on your running, and you've got a race, a couple of races coming up, right? Uh, y- yes, I do. Uh, I've, uh, I've been blessed for the last almost 12 years through my church to have a running group, and have had the blessing of being able to to work with folks that want to run a mile, run 5K, run a half marathon, marathon. So that group, uh, we're going to be doing the, the Run for Love over at Winter Park, part of the Track Shack series. That's two weeks from tomorrow. The following Saturday, um, I have uh, challenged myself to take on a 12-hour endurance race. It's actually a, a trail race. A five, it's a five-mile loop, and it's like, how far can you go in 12 hours? Oh, uh, my goodness. As, as was mentioned on the last yeah. time we were here, I, I carry the American flag, and I just hit 5,000 miles with the flag uh, since the 2019 Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, that's I've, a nice thing about running these marathons. You actually can track how many miles you've run. Yes, correct. Did I say that right? Is that right, grammar? You've run, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you you have you've run too much, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting tired of listening. I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's he was saying he hopes to run ten laps. Now, keeping in mind, one lap is five miles. So to say, you you're going to run fifty miles in twelve hours. I didn't know that was humanly possible. I can do it on a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a car, too. Yeah. Well, I, I, and to encourage listeners, I was never a natural runner. I, in high school, I hated running. I played varsity sports, you know, football and basketball and tennis, and but did not enjoy the running. And so the running took place afterwards when I was in college and decided I needed to do something to keep in shape. And that's how it evolved that way. Mm-hmm. So, again, I... I'm not fast, you know. I'm 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 tall, 200 pounds. I'm not the 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 perfect build for this, but um, God has allowed me to uh, to do this, and and more importantly, to help others, to encourage and coach others. Uh, that's that's my greatest thrill with all of this is to inspire and encourage others to do something they maybe thought they couldn't do. Now we had a uh, conversation today with Danny Warfel. Uh, John Crossman had him on his radio program, and I produced John's show. And Danny was talking about his new love in sports. It's not football. He's not playing football, obviously, anymore. But he's playing pickleball. Have you guys played that yet? I've never played pickleball. I don't even know what that is. Oh. I've seen it being played. I've never played it. Yeah. But yes, that no question about it's it. A, that has taken off. It's taken off? <laughs> well, he apparently, now this is no surprise, Danny is a, a high-performance player at it. It's a form of tennis, only it's, it's a shorter court. A, a more uh, condensed court and you play with a, a, a different kind of racket and you play with what looks like a big wiffle ball, a plastic ball. Hmm. And it's a hard plastic ball and they smack that thing. And, and apparently, I mean, it's, it's quite competitive. I've never played it personally, but hmm. I I've seen pickleball players on YouTube and uh, he made this comment, which is why I brought it up. He said, I got into this because to him, he said he could never get into running because it, it just wasn't as interesting, of, you know, and I don't know how you do that. I mean, what do you, what do you think about? What do you start doing, Pete, when you're on lap nine of these five-mile laps? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking like, dear Lord? Help me live, or which well, is what I would be doing. Don't let me pass out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's a great question. And to kind of condense it down, when you are out there running those miles, it's important to focus on other things. And um, if you if you think about every single foot, every step you're taking, every step or mile you're running, that mentally can defeat you and and really you know cause you to to to, to want to quit and not go on. But if you're I I. Uh, I'm out there, and I'm. There's songs in my head, worship songs that. So you don't listen to uh, like 
music or whatever. S- some people do, and that and if that works for them, great. Um, when I started this, uh, they weren't we weren't allowed to have headphones uh, while doing the races. Today, a lot of the races will allow you to do that. So or these uh, little earbuds, little earbuds and mm-hmm. such like that. So so it never took took off with me. But um, yeah, I just I, I I focus on other things. Sometimes I pray. Sometimes. Uh, I do other things in my mind while running to, to you know, as I, I'm running those miles. So that that's, that's an important piece to being able to go that far is to be able to think about other things and focus on other things. I don't know anybody else like you, man. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. You know, I'm curious to what pre and post event looks like for you, because in most things in life, you know, the pre and the post kind of lead to the success of the event. So when you're thinking about, this this not this weekend but next weekend that 50 mile challenge right what does it look like for you to mentally physically get ready for that and then what do you think it's going to look like after the event for you to kind of come down from that that's an excellent question nathan uh and first of all i want to give kudos to my wife she is my biggest cheerleader and i don't commit to any of these big races uh um, without her being involved in that decision making because it is a commitment of time and early you know early to bed and early mornings and you know several hours in the morning for a long run to be away and um so um obviously you, you need to find the right training program and so as when i work with my runners i you know we i i ask them or we will work out getting to a certain base level of weekly mileage before they start the program so again it's not a shock to their body to get started on this. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, there is, uh, uh, definitely a, a system where up to, you know, you, I'm, I'm, I'm almost in that what's called the, um, the taper, uh, where I'm not running so far anymore because I'm getting my body ready for that. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but also it's important to, uh, after the run pre, you mentioned pre, there's those, the post run too, to recover well. Uh, to to follow a specific so it, it, it there's a lot of things that get involved without getting too technical. On what this, is the but, taper? Uh, what does that mean? Uh, taper is your you know be, let's I'll use a marathon example. Uh, most runners before they run their, their their marathon about three weeks prior they'll hit their heaviest week of running, which will you know, the, their final miles will be like a, their longest run will be 18 to 20 miles, and then uh, three weeks from three weeks uh, to go before the race they'll taper the mileage. Okay, to allow, to allow I, their body to really to rest, to recover, and to make sure that when they start the race, that their body is 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 ready to go uh, twenty six point two miles. So when you run that fifty miler, mm-hmm. what will you do in the days ahead? Will you run at all like the day before? Um, I'll I'll run or maybe do just a short walk the day before, just to kind of keep the legs loose and such. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and you're going to find other runners that, um, especially running that distance that will do other things. The, the program I'm following is, has me running like 18 miles or 20 miles back to back. So I don't, I don't, that's my longest run will be about a a 20 miler moving into this 50 miler. But, uh, because to try to crank out a 30 or a 40. <laughs> well, a 50, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's almost like running two marathons in it's, one it's, day. It's right? just about, yeah. Yeah. And so, and um, how many people, you know, the percentage has got to be low of our population that ever have, that they have run, uh, one marathon, much less two in one day. Well, it, um, the percentage is low, but, uh, I, I, there is definitely a, 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 a solid group out there. And again, you'll, you, the, the, the thing that I'm inspired by is I see folks of all ages out there, all backgrounds. It's, you know, so, you know, folks with large frames, folks with, not, you know, I'm a large frame person. So, and so it's, it's, and folks have asked me, is it, how much is it, this is mental? How much is it physical? From my perspective, I would say it's 70, Both. it's 30% physical, yeah. 70% mental. So you got to get the training in, you've got to put the miles in, but staying with it. Um, and we, and what we teach in a spiritual standpoint is that, that perseverance, and in James, it talks about, and let perseverance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So it, it, per- perseverance is a, is a character quality that God wants to develop in all of us. And I'm not saying you have to be a marathoner to develop the perseverance, but as I run with my runners and I, and, and I, and I say run, I, I many times I've actually run the race with them, their first mm-hmm. marathon. One of the biggest thrills of my life mm-hmm. is to be with somebody running it for the first time and be there at the finish line. It's a very emotional experience. Now, do you feel for you, Pete, that this is uh, a, something fun, like a passion, 
uh, a hobby. Is that what this is for you? Well, it is. It's become a calling, and I I believe God's going to have me doing this for the, the rest of my the rest of my years, as long as I can you know can still run and such. And that's I I feel very blessed because you know wow. I, I've had my share of injuries and things, but haven't had anything that has stopped me from the running. And I I, I just I know that there's a calling on my life to help people, and there's where Second Wind Finish Strong mm-hmm. comes in. There's the business piece of it, but it's a ministry. It's helping people not give up, helping people to, 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 to believe. To because there's a lot of folks out there that have lost hope, and lost faith. And uh, if I can help them regain hope, regain faith, uh, a belief that you know what God is in the business of restoring and redeeming, and revitalizing. And so, um, so yeah. He, 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 you know, we're, we're called to finish strong, mm-hmm. keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. As it talks about in Hebrews 12, mm-hmm. run the race that you were called to run, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And so, th- so that's, that's the foundational piece of all of this is that, you know, I mean, the finisher's medal is beautiful t-shirt, all of that, but just knowing, you know what, that, you know, God brought me through this and, and, you know, I, I, and I could go on and on with different stories of my runners and myself of different things where God just really showed his power and gave me, gave my partner, gave our team a second wind. Well, I tell you, my son was a cross-country runner when he was uh, a freshman, I think it was, in high school. And I don't think he ever ran a race that he didn't lose his cookies afterwards. I mean, (laughs) that was just part and parcel for running the race. And I'm thinking, I get it. I think I would, um, I would, I'd probably get ill during the race, much less afterwards. So I just think that's an amazing story. Do it you is. do you run yourself? I, I don't. I, I stopped running. I used to run, but not to the level that Pete is at. You know, I, no one is at the level <laughs> Pete is. <laughs> you know, I would run about three miles, you know, three times a week. And that was kind of, kind of my, my normal routine. And you know, I ended that about 10 years ago when I start having problems with my right knee. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's just so interesting and, and fascinating to me as I, as I listen to Pete talk and I see, you know, how his eyes light up when he talks about running and, and that journey, the parallels in that to, to just this, your spiritual walk with Christ. There's a number of just so relevant parallels. You know, one of the things, no matter what sport you are in or, you know, anything in life for mm-hmm. this matter, but I remember having a coach that always would say, you you play how you practice. And people tend to skip over the value of practice in private. You know, all of the private work that you do, because you're only in public showing up for a minute. But in order for you to show up and have a level of success in public, you've had to invest hours and hours of private practice. And, we, and we, we've seen that and we've heard that. Everyone from Tiger Woods to... You know, um, you know, some of the, the, the greatest, you know, sports people that we can think of, they all talk about the value of the private practice mm-hmm. when no one else is available. No one else can see what, what's happening there. And it, it's really relevant. Um, you know, when I, when, I, when I hear you, you talk about, you know, what it means to you and, and how God has blessed you, you know, to, to have the experience. Well, that's. Great, great comments there, Nathan. I, you know, you, you, Michael Jordan, and, and and most people don't know Michael Jordan uh, was cut from his high school basketball team. He, he in his sophomore year, he, he tried out and <laughs> did not make it, and um, and you know went through the went went through failure basically, mm-hmm. and 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 came back to make the team and and continue his success. But you talk about the practice; he was always the last one to leave mm-hmm. the gym. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was always about practicing and always about working to, on your game, and uh, that's it's 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 so true. I mean, in in the in the, the marathon, completing a marathon is a result of what you did the the previous twelve weeks. That's you know, right. Uh, so all those miles, I I I use the 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 analogy of putting deposits in your running bank. So today's ten miler, you put that in your bank. Today's thirteen miler, whatever it was. And then marathon day, you're withdrawing from all of those deposits you made there. Wow! Yes. And and you can call them seeds. Spiritually, same thing. You mean you're planting seeds as you, as you um, you know walk the walk of faith, as you spend time in God's word, and you apply God's word, and you teach God's word. I mean, so seeds are sown. Wow! One yeah. final question before we take a break: endorphins. 
we've heard about this in sports, uh, that they help a lot. This sense of euphoric feeling that comes over to your body. It's like a natural thing that God just built into us. Yes. That when you run these, this sense of lightness and joy and, and, and happiness about, do you, what, at what point in the race do you have it? Do you ever lose it? Great question. And endorphins do, uh, that's, 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 that's the internal chemical that we have in us. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and it does work in terms of your feeling of, uh, of, uh, of joy, euphoria from a physical standpoint. Also, endorphins also will help ease the pain. So, um, and, and that's why sometimes runners, they finish a race and then at the, uh, it, it's not till several hours later, maybe the next day when the endorphins have worn off, oh, Maybe I went a little further than yeah. I should have today because now I'm feeling it. It's so, almost like adrenaline yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah. What you do under that kind of uh, power and with that kind of aid, when it's gone, you, you feel the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting, yeah. The, the conversation about the endorphins, it just reminds me of a statistic that I heard, I think, just two weeks ago. And it was a study of Olympic gold medalists, the winners that were on the stage. And the study, the study showed that the person that was the happiest was the bronze medal winner, not always the the gold, the gold or medal. silver. Yeah. And 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 the reason for that, based on the results of the study, was the person who won the silver was really upset that they were just one place away from winning the gold. But the person who won the bronze was grateful because they were one step away from being eliminated. <laughs> That's right. It's right. good. Yes. They got yes. to be on the stand at all. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's great. Oh, this is fun. Pete Fulch, also Nathan Weaver, my guest here in the studio today. We'll be back with them one more time. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on the show. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Segment three here on Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd Radio Network with me, Nathan Weaver from Petra Worldwide, Pete Fulch. Pete, you have your consulting company. Give us the details about that, if you will, and then we'll go to Nathan and get the contact information for him. Yeah, second wind finish strong, uh, primarily focused on leadership development. And uh, we have a, 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 we have folks that uh, have some folks that I, I work with also kind of on the side uh, that uh, are associated with that. But um, we do keynote speaking, uh, contract training, wor- uh, workshops, um, consulting, coaching. And um, I have a website, secondwindfinishstrong.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. If you look up Pete Fultz, you'll find that there. And um, you know, my contact is you know, from a you know, phone standpoint, 407-733-8121. Okay. And Nathan Weaver is with PetraWorldwide.org, I believe it is, right? That is correct. PetraWorldwide.org. And, and uh, you guys deal with... And you really help nonprofits. That's really your niche. And it's with accounting, with tax and taxes and real estate. And real estate. That's mm-hmm. what we do. We, we focus on the nonprofit in the sector. We support ministries from New York to Miami. And we are really bringing our gift back to the kingdom. You know, I think my gift is the gift of administration and being able to stand in the background of any ministry and strengthen that ministry so that they can change humanity based on the vision that God has given them. That That's our purpose. And so we do that by making sure that all the back office stuff is straight, you know, the, the accounting, the taxes, and, you know, where they have opportunity or need for real estate, we support that as well. Now, both of you guys have worked in the, the food industry, and COVID brought this out in more than just food industries, but we know that businesses that are startup, businesses that are new, uh, many of them, they'll start off and they don't even last more than a year or two years at, at the most. What is the, the biggest thing that comes to your mind in your experience 
that a, a let's say a CEO of a new business that they need to make sure they've got this in order in order to not fate uh, reach that fate. What would that be? Yeah. Well, from my perspective, a couple of things come to mind. The first one is properly capitalizing the organization, anticipating that your, your ramp up time is probably going to be a little bit longer than, you know, whatever vision you have in your mind, just, you know, being ready to ensure that you've capitalized the organization to a place where if you're not achieving your revenue goals for the first year, two years, three years, your organization can continue to survive. Mm -hmm. And then in my mind, the second thing is, is leadership, having the leadership capabilities and qualities that will get you to the place of being able to drive revenue based on whatever product or service that you're delivering uh, is very, very important. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, uh, there's a workshop that's a very popular workshop I teach called a passion for service. And at the focus of that is helping leaders. How do you tr- truly engage your team members, your employees with your mission? And in that there's a section of, I talk about the mission and I end up finding, especially and you mentioned new folks getting mm-hmm. started and small businesses out there. Uh, it's amazing how many are out there that truly haven't defined their mission. Who are we? What do we want to be? Truly, what is what is our focus? Who, you know, what's what's our purpose here? Uh, and so uh, that that's what I would encourage those of you who are listening right now. Think about what you're doing. Think about your business, and what is my mission? And it should be a truly about a one sentence. This is this is who we are and what we're all about. And then make sure your employees are dialed into that mm-hmm. because there's a big difference when an employee is working out of a sense of function versus a sense of purpose. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out here cleaning the parking lot. I'm out here serving, I'm serving food. I'm making food, but why, what's my role? How is what I'm doing connected to the greater, mm-hmm. the mission of the company? And when folks feel a, a greater sense of purpose like that, that's when you, know, you have your engagement level come up, you, your turnover will go down. So it's, 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 it's sometimes can be a very missed piece of, of, of especially starting a brand new business. Now, I rem- I think you did a good job with that. That's had to be something that became clear to you in your work. Cause you've got this kind of uh, Nathan, you've got this vast background in management at uh, the, the food industry level, but then to get into go back to school, get your accounting degree as you did. And then say, there's this particular niche that I'm wanting to, to serve. You had to see what your mission field was. Absolutely. And the Holy spirit gets credit for most of that. Right. Uh, well, all of that really, not most of it, but to Pete's point, I, it is so important that employers share with their employees what the mission is and the values. The values are absolutely critical. We, we have monthly staff meetings and in our staff meetings, I always end the staff meeting by reviewing our values. And it's really important for the team because when there's, when they're new staff members, they need to know the values that we operate under and mm-hmm. what's going to be most important to us. And, you know, our number one, we, and we really have just three values that are listed out. And then we have some, you know, uh, expansion of what that means, but integrity, you know, being our leading value. And, you know, we start that definition by we don't cheat. We're not lazy, but we don't rush. And sometimes our employees are really taken back by we don't rush. You know, in in our business, you can't be in a hurry. It is more important to get it right than to get it fast. Hmm. And it is, it's a principle that that we live by. It's like, you know, if you're going to submit a tax return for this organization, this multi-million dollar company, we better make sure it's right as opposed to making it fast. One little zero would make a big difference. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you got to get it right. You got to get it right. I think that's true in the food too. You don't yes. want to serve somebody something that's not ready, something that's not right. And so that all uh, fits right down across the line. These are days, aren't they, where it's a really big challenge. Now, another question I have for you guys uh, COVID had its impact, but one of the big things that seems to still not be up to par is uh, staffing. 
staffing is an issue. What what do you think is going to have to happen for uh, the American workforce to kind of get off the government payroll, if you will, and and start working again? What what has to happen? Yeah, I I kind of mentioned this a little bit last time, but again, I want to emphasize it because it is such a you need to make sure. Uh, attracting employees to come work for you begins with your operations, begins with your, your product, your service, and the environment that you create. And, and, and so employees look at your, your, your restaurant company, looks at your retail operation, whatever you're, you've got going, do I really want to be a part of this? And so, uh, yeah, I, I would uh, definitely Make sure that you are doing everything you can as a business to be attractive out there and that mm-hmm. your service is excellent out there. And uh, I'm going to use Chick-fil-A. They uh, seem to always be very well staffed. And no matter, I mean, I travel the country and then when I go to Chick-fil-A and the the consistency of spirit and attitude. Not just food. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so they're, 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 and, and, and I, I happen to know, and I know some folks within the organization, they invest a lot in their training. They invest a lot. In, when you become an employee, there's a lot you go through in development and training before you're out there serving someone. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I, and I, again, it's an investment. It's not a cost. Training's not a cost. It's an investment. And so I would encourage, again, those who out there who are battling the staffing is just, you know, uh, and, and you're when you engage your employees, you 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 they they end up becoming ambassadors for you. They're going to recommend to you other folks that they want to have that they think you ought to consider uh, bringing aboard. And so, um, so those are some some basics from my end of what I've seen with uh, the, the retail and hospitality, food service with staffing, is uh, again your operation, making sure that you're operating and you and you're taking your time to invest instead of hiring somebody and putting them right on without any training. Here, I'd like you to be my host tonight at the front door. Mm-hmm. And they haven't learned the product yet. They haven't learned. I mean, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that, that's what I encourage. That's very good, wise words. Nathan, you deal with nonprofits. How are nonprofits faring right now? They are competing for talent just like everyone else. And I think Pete's point is very well uh, made that it is very important for nonprofits to make sure that they have communicated their mission, because people want to be a part of something. They want to be a part of something that's larger than them. And they want to, they want to feel like they're contributing to a purpose that they can connect and engage with. Mm -hmm. And every time an employer interviews someone, that person is interviewing the employer as well. So the employer has to go into a situation with a clear vision, a clear mission, be able to sell and pitch that to the employer employees so that they can connect with it so that they become to use Pete's word an ambassador for the organization because every organization must have ambassadors and you know, in, 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 in the restaurant industry and world, you know, I, I learned that principle in terms of discretionary effort is how it was taught to me, you know, because an employee can show up and do just enough to do their job. But when you can get someone to connect with you in a way that they are willing to give you their discretionary effort, that's when they're your ambassador. Amen. What's the biggest win, Pete, that you see happening right now in the country with regard to living in this woke society? What areas do you see some positive change, positive growth, things that cause you to think, ah, that's a good move right there? Anything come to mind? I, I, I think there is... Um, I, I guess I'm going to use the term the awakening a little bit that we have, I, I think there's more and more people coming to terms with, we have got to uh, get better at building people up versus destroying folks and, 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 and being a part of, because it's, we're, you're seeing that again, when we mm-hmm. cut down people or try to shut them down or whatever, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just adding fuel to the, all that negativity and, and it's interesting, uh, you, you know, I run with a flag and folks will uh, come up to me after a race or come up to me during a, on a training run. So it's just, thank you for doing that. I'm inspired by that. I'm encouraged by that. And I needed to see that today. I needed to, I needed to, to uh, you know, I've had veterans that have uh, said that was the best thing I mm-hmm. saw today, that flag being flown. That was, you know, that made me, you know, that brought me to tears. 
And so I think there is a little bit of an awakening out there. And again, sometimes you watch the news and you wonder, is anything, is, mm-hmm. are we making any yeah. progress? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I do sense that there is a, a, a kind of a, a, an awakening happening with people that, you know what, we've, we've got to, we've, you know, there, there was a day when we were able to constructively disagree and still be friends. Yeah, I, I've seen that mm-hmm. too. I mean, you, you don't have to go very deep into archives and realize that Republicans and Democrats could actually laugh at each other and, and, and not be throwing daggers at one another. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's what it feels like right now. There's, there's almost like a mutual hatred on Capitol Hill. Can you imagine having to work in that kind of an atmosphere all the time? Right. I, it would just be yeah. unnerving. So what's ahead for you guys? We've got about a minute left. What's ahead for 2023? What are your thoughts about this year? What excites you about the year? Well, I think I'm looking forward to just seeing how we continue to recover as a nation, continue to see how we combat inflation, and hopefully that will result in everyone having a better economic experience and not continuing to to struggle financially. Lots of families out there that are still, still hurting as as prices have skyrocketed, mm-hmm. we're seeing some stabilization and we, we probably have to experience a little bit of market softening to, to get to normal again. But as soon as we can get to normal, we'll see people suffer a little bit less. Good. Pete? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Uh, took the words right out of my mouth there. It, uh, I, I, would, I would say the same. I'm also personally looking forward to now. I just became a grandfather. So yeah, that's right. Congratulations. Uh, oh, congratulations. <laughs> Saw the picture. So, yeah. So, so that's uh, an exciting start to 2023 for me and my yeah. wife. And um, so, but uh, yeah, I would just encourage folks just to once again, there's, there's only two things you're totally in control of, your attitude and your effort. Mm. And so again, there are certain things out there we can't control, but I can control my attitude, my approach to things and how hard I work at it. And so I'm going to endeavor to continue to be a blessing to as many folks as I can out there and however God calls me to be. And that is a good place to hang this one up. That's good. Thank you, Nathan Weaver, Pete Fulch. Appreciate you guys so much. Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you so much. Thank you, you, listeners. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.